Father, thank you that we, when we come before you, when we come to your word and to your presence, that we can be ourselves, we can come before you with bare feet, and we stand on holy ground. Amen. All right, good morning. I hope you've all had a good summer and enjoyed the weather, and some of you have got away. Um, one of the things I've done over the summer is I've tried to learn a little bit of basic sign language. The alphabet's fine, so I can spell my name. I'll have a go at doing it. Helen, H-E-L-E-N. And it's the first thing that you learn is to spell your name so that you can introduce yourself, because that's how we introduce ourselves to each other. And I've also learned some signs for animals. Um, some are more obvious than others. So I've learned this one. If you can guess what that is. Brilliant. People who are here at the first service are not allowed to guess. And that one? Brilliant. Slightly more obscure one? Giraffe. Wonderful. <laughs> so that's partly why I did animals, because they look like what they are, so I can remember them. Some of the signs aren't quite so clear. Um, broccoli and cake are sort of something like that, and they both look exactly the same to me, so I think I've got to look at those a bit better. <laughs> So a sign done well can tell us something, um, represent something, or point to something, perhaps indicate the presence of something else. A cafe sign at the end of a long walk can do all of those, especially if it's got a picture of a cake and a cup of tea. It can be very inviting, and it might convince us to step aside and go inside. So the Bible is full of signs. In fact, the Bible itself is a sign. We forget that sometimes. The Bible by itself, it's not trying to take us to the Bible. It's trying to point to God. It's telling us about God. So what sort of sign is the burning bush? From the name for it, it was quite a thorny bush, apparently like a bramble. And we assume that this would be strange to see a burning bush, but actually in dry weather, a very dry bush could actually have been burning all the time. And we read that it wasn't the fact that the bush was burning that intrigued Moses. It was the fact that it was burning and it wasn't burning up the bush and the fire wasn't going out. And notice as well that the bush doesn't suddenly appear in front of Moses. I think sometimes when we want a sign from God, we expect God to leap in front of us in this, in this way. He had to actually turn aside and take a closer look. And I wonder if we take the time to observe and notice when God is active and sometimes spot God at work in what can seem at first to be very ordinary things. And only when Moses comes over does God speak to him. As I said, signs can point towards something or can represent something. Was this bush on fire such a sign? In church, we light a candle to represent the light of Christ. It represents Christ being with us. We have a cross at the front, and we're pointing to something deeper, all that happened through that cross. So, a thorny bush that's on fire without being burnt up, what might it mean? The Israelites, as a nation, were threatened. They continue to be threatened throughout history, but they survive. There's another story in the Bible when God's people are in a fire and don't get burnt or die. In the book of Daniel, we read that Daniel and his companions 
were thrown into the fiery furnace, and someone's seen in the fire with them. And they all survive, and they don't even get burnt. God seemed to be in the fire with them then, and God speaks to Moses out of the fire in today's story. God is in the fire. God is in the suffering of his people. And they won't die out because God is with them. God is in the thorny times. And those of you who were here last week, Chris was speaking about those difficult times in our lives. God is in those times too. And I'm sure the Israelites felt abandoned in their suffering. They'd been a long time in slavery. But God was still their God and God was with them. So what's the first thing that God says? Moses, Moses. Who is Moses? I think he probably had a bit of an identity crisis. He was born a Hebrew slave. He was nearly killed at birth. But then he was rescued and adopted into Pharaoh's household. He was a murderer. He killed an Egyptian for beating up a Hebrew. That's in chapter 2 that we've missed out between last week and this week. You might want to go back and, and read more about it. And he fled from Egypt, and he's now married, and he's living in Midian, looking after his father's flock, father-in-law's flock. But God calls him by his personal name, Moses, Moses. One of the most significant things that I felt God saying to me when I was young and I was a new Christian is that I was not what had happened to me, and I wasn't what I had done. I was me. And that was something that I really needed to hear. I think it's something all of us need to hear. God calls us by our name, not our past. He does, however, use our past experiences. We've all got good and bad experiences. And God uses these, but we're not defined by them. Moses had killed someone. Think about that. He'd nearly been killed himself. But on the good side, he'd been rescued through the compassion and the courage of others. And he'd been adopted into Pharaoh's family. All of that was used by God. And as I get older, a sign of getting older is you can look back and you can see all the things from the past that God now uses in our lives. So how does Moses respond? Here I am. Perhaps the three most important words that we can say to God. Here I am. And God doesn't even mention the murder or indeed anything else. But he says, take off your shoes for the place you're standing on is holy ground. The place of meeting with God is holy. This is a precious moment. Do we always recognize and acknowledge those holy times? Pause and take our shoes off. Wait on God rather than rushing off. I think we're actually more vulnerable when we take our shoes off. I've kept mine off. I don't know if any of you have. Yes, Claire has. I think it's something about being ourselves. We can't hide anything from God. We're not dressed up in anything else. We come as we are. Then God says... I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And listen to what we hear, learn about God here. I have seen the misery of my people. 
I have heard their cry. I am concerned about their sufferings. I have come down to deliver them. I have seen, Moses had seen the suffering, but God had too. I have heard their cry. I'm sure they thought their cries were unheard. Sometimes we think our cries are not heard. But God says, I have heard their cry. I am concerned about their sufferings. The word here, you may have heard it before, is yada. It's, it's a word for no, and it's the word that's used about Adam knowing Eve. It's a very intimate, personal knowledge. God is a God who knows suffering. Think of Jesus. I have come down to deliver them. God is a God who acts, who gives us hope, who has a plan. And I can imagine Moses brightening up through all this. God is going to intervene. Those injustices that he tried to fix himself, God is going to step in and sort things out. But the next words, so I am sending you. Ah. We don't like that one quite so much. God frequently uses people. He works through people, people like you and me. And so start the excuses. Who am I to do this? And I really had to battle with this myself a few years ago. It's very easy to suggest that God should use somebody else. But that's not the point. It's not about us. God's answer to that is, I will be with you. If God gives us a task, he will be with us. It's not about us. And I suspect that if we think we're up to the then we don't lean on God. And we try and do things in our own strength, like Moses had the first time when he killed the Egyptian. God then says his name three ways. I am who I am. We don't really know what that means. It might be, I will be who I will be. Then he shortens it to, I am. Then the cryptic YHWH, from which we get Yahweh, that we sung in the song at the beginning, God's personal name. And you might have noticed it wasn't actually in our Bibles. The NIV puts in capital L-O-R-D, and a lot of Bibles do that, because the Jewish people don't say the name of God so that it won't be profaned. But it means that we miss that. We miss sometimes seeing God's name in the Bible, Yahweh. His name is beyond translation, beyond our understanding. But it seems to come from the verb to be. God is. I am. I like that. God is. And that's another important thing we need to know. God is. This is my name forever. I am is the God who was, who is, and who will be, who never changes. God who is always present, even when he seems absent. And I am was used by Jesus himself to describe himself. No wonder they accused him of blasphemy. We've all seen injustice and pain, and we want God to act. God has seen all of it. In fact, we get our heart for justice from God because we're made in his image. The hard part 
is that God uses people to change this world. People like Moses the murderer, who made many mistakes. People like you and me. But working with God, not in our own strength, like Moses had tried to do at the beginning. And God says, I will be with you. That's the sign we need. Jesus repeats that great promise when he says to the disciples, to us, I will be with you even to the end of the age. So what's God's sign of his presence in the world today? We are. Quite scary, isn't it? Think about that for a bit. We are his church, his people. Equipped by the Holy Spirit, of course, we're not doing it by ourselves. But the church is a sign in the world. We should be a sign that causes others to stop and take a closer look. A sign through which God speaks, just like that burning bush. And because we know that promise repeated by Jesus, I will be with you always, others will come to that assurance too. If people look at this community, do they meet with God? If people use you and me as a sign of God, what do they learn about God? And if we are a sign at an entrance, would we be adequately inviting people in and giving them a glimpse of what is beyond? But we can only do that if we have personal knowledge of God ourselves. The sign for God is upwards. Not ideal, because we know that God is with us. But it says something about the otherness of God. My hope is that you and I would be a sign that represents God to each other and to everyone we meet. That everything we do and everything we are would be a sign of the reality and the presence of God. The God who comes down to rescue his people. And that we would constantly be so aware of God's presence and pointing to him that some would step aside and investigate further. Remember this sign. Is that what we look like? When people look at us, do we point to God? A living sign that witnesses that God is. Amen.